a uh, dad arrived home one day from work and was greeted by his young daughter who gave him a big enthusiastic hug. He could tell she was excited. She told him as soon as he walked in the door, Dad, our math teacher said we are doing so well in math that she's going to give us some problems that we won't see again for a couple of years and see if we can figure them out, and if so, we get extra credit. And then she said, Mom said, you could help me. <laughs> so he said he'd be happy to help. What's the problem, he asked her. So she took him over to the table, and she got out the homework, and she said, she read the problem to him. It's 2x plus 6 equals 16. What is x? And dad said, actually, that's a, that's a pretty one, pretty easy one. x equals 5. She got really excited, and she, she wrote on her paper, x equals 5. The next day, the dad got home from work, and he came in the door, and his daughter was there, and she greeted him with a hug, but like she was kind of sulking. He could tell something was wrong, and he, he said, what's bugging you? And she said, come look. And as he walked over to the kitchen table, he glanced at his wife, who glared and rolled her eyes. And they got to the table, and his daughter said, see, you said X was five. And we had 10 problems, and I put X equals five for every one, I knew, but you didn't tell me what Y was, and I didn't get any of them right, so I didn't get any extra credit. Then she stormed away. Sometimes, pausing to explore the question is more important than just giving the answer. Sometimes we need to give others tools for exploring their own understanding, their own answers, instead of just giving them ours. Because questions matter. Ask any teacher. Teachers will tell you that, that many times, right, it's more important to give students the, the way to ask the right questions and to keep exploring than it is to just provide them with the answers. For us to learn and, and grow, for a community of people to grapple with a world that is, that is always changing and shifting around us, questions need to be welcomed. They need to be encouraged. X doesn't always equal five when the context changes. And we have to know when and what to ask, particularly in the times when an easy answer isn't enough. This is the last Sunday in our sermon series here at Clay Church called Questions Welcome. We've been exploring questions of, of faith and, and how they lead us into the Bible to explore explore there and how, how we might learn by sitting in the questions sometimes. All of it, as we've been searching, right, points us to, to Jesus and, and what he taught. And by the way, Jesus asked a whole lot of questions, even as he was giving answers. My hope as we conclude this sermon series today is that while we won't be sort of directly answering tough questions every week, and although in some ways we do, that 
that we'll continue to be a church where questions are welcome. That's my hope. That we'll continue to explore and, and wrestle and continue to admit that we don't have all the answers. And we're a group of people on this journey of searching, searching together. And as we do that, we won't judge anyone for where they are in that journey or the questions that they ask. So today is the last day. I thought I'd pick a question and, uh, and maybe we'd make it an easy one. So today's question is, how can or how was Jesus both fully human and fully God? Nice, easy question to, uh, to conclude the series. No, not easy. You may even see this question. You might be like, wait, does it really matter? Or, or I thought about this question before. I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer this question. So why, why are we going to wrestle it? Well, we're going to wrestle with it today because I think when we wrestle with the big questions, even if we don't find answers, if nothing else, we might discover some things about Jesus and our faith along the way. Are you ready to dive in? Here we go. Let's, uh, let's pray. Holy God, we come today and, and we admit, we, we know we don't have all the answers. And God, we, that's a good thing. It means you're beyond anything we know. And, and so we, we gather to explore and ask questions. And we just, we just pray that you'll meet us in those questions. That you might open our eyes to see new things. Open our minds to, to comprehend in new ways. Open our hearts our souls to a deeper relationship with the love that you offer us in Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you, uh, have you ever read a passage in the Bible and when you were finished, it raised more questions and answers? Anybody had that experience? You've read something in the Bible and you, you finished and you're like, whoa, I, I'm not sure that helped with anything. Or, or maybe you've read a passage in the Bible and you've left with a feeling like, you know what, could we just take that out? I don't want to deal with that one. Anybody had that experience in the Bible? I'm going to share up front that we're about to explore a, a story in, in Matthew's gospel that leaves me with some real questions. And I, I say that Somebody asked, where are the questions in this sermon series coming from? Like, did you just ask people what their questions were? And actually, no, for this series, the questions that we're asking um, come from the book of Matthew, because we've been walking through Matthew all year at Clay Church. Around before Easter, we jumped kind of to the end to look at the end, but then we, we've actually jumped back into 13, 14, and 15. So the questions we're asking are questions that relate to the relate to the chapters that we're looking at in Matthew. If you want to follow along today, we're going to look at Matthew 15, starting in verse 21. Matthew writes this, From there, Jesus went to the regions of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from those territories came out and shouted, Show me mercy, son of David. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. But he didn't respond to her at all. His disciples came and urged him, send her away. She keeps shouting at us. Like, does Jesus ignore people? Like, does that fit into your vision of Jesus? We're going to get to more questions. Just hang on to that one for a minute. The story goes on. Jesus replied, 
I've been sent only to the lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. He replied, It is not good to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Okay, now I want to, did Jesus just refer to her as a dog? Like my mom said, you're not supposed to talk about people that way. Story goes on. She said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off their master's table. Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. It will be just as you wish. And right then, her daughter was healed. I know I can't speak for all of us, but I got some questions. Maybe you do too. Why does Jesus ignore her? This woman, desperate for her child, and Jesus just acts like she's not there? Why wouldn't he heal her daughter? And maybe even more, why wouldn't he heal her daughter after she asked? This passage, it raises some questions. Do you ever think of Jesus as ignoring people or not helping? Do you think of Jesus as refusing help to people? Are there faithful people, people who believe in Jesus, who, who beg of, of Jesus that, and then Jesus won't help? Or these questions, does Jesus test us? Do we have to have enough faith to experience healing or hope? And, and if that, what, what if we break? Like, is it a test? And if we don't pass, does that mean God won't help us? When we have questions like these, I think it's really easy to want to wanna just sideline it right, and, and not address it. I don't know if any of you do this. When I have something that I'm not really excited to do, it goes on the bottom of my to-do list. Anyone else? And then, like, I just don't have time to get there this week, and so then it goes to the next week, and it's at the bottom again, and then I don't get to it, and eventually it falls off the to-do list. Like, anybody else, please? Okay, three hands, great. Um, like, it would be easier just to put this aside and be like, when I understand the Bible better, I'll come back, because maybe I'll, I'll see more here, or or, you know, when, when I have more faith, maybe, maybe that'll make more sense and I'm going to come back to it. But when the Bible was written, the culture at the time, particularly the Jewish Eastern culture that, that is the culture of the time when the Bible is written and then in the time of Jesus, that culture, when you saw something in a story, when a story was told and it, it raised questions, the whole purpose of the questions was to send you deeper into the story. When something in a story didn't seem to fit or made you go, ick, the idea of the teacher, of the rabbi, of the, of the storyteller was this is a point to pay attention, so look a little harder at this story. I always think, when I think about looking harder, uh, this is probably too much Disney in my life, but whenever I think of looking harder, I think of uh, Simba and Rafiki in The Lion King. Some of you will know this scene. It's okay if you don't. Simba has all these questions, right? And he's kind of ready to give up on them. 
And Rafiki grabs him and takes him and asks him to look at his reflection. And when Simba still can't see, Rafiki says to him, look harder. You have to say it. You've got to draw out the harder to really get the effect. Right? I think of this scene when I, when I, think of, when I come to a Bible text and I, it, it's just a struggle. I think of this scene and I think of, of Jesus just inviting us to look harder. The gospel writers invite it. Dig in. Figure out the context. Look at the text more carefully. Find somebody who knows more about the passage and look harder. So let's do that today. And one of the things we'll find pretty quickly if we, if we read through this text, if we kind of slow down and take it in, we'll find something re- really, I think, kind of interesting. Usually, when we read a text in the, in the gospels, Jesus is like awe-inspiring to us. We look at it and we're like, whoa, look at what Jesus did. And the the rest of the people in the story, quite often, are like trying to figure it out. But in this story, it sort of flips over. We read it and Jesus does something and we're like, uh, like that doesn't feel right. And then we're inspired by the the woman's faith, right? She just keeps at it. She she believes that this this can happen. Could there be a reason for this? Jesus' mission in Matthew's gospel, right, as as Matthew tells this story, Jesus' mission is to come to the people of God and to show them what it looks like, what God's teaching looks like when it's truly lived out. What it looks like to to actually reach out and and care for the outsider, which appears again and again in in the teachings of God what it looks like to bring about God's kingdom, to to care for for those who need care. Jesus occasionally, in Matthew's gospel, will will do a healing. He'll reach out to somebody outside of the Jewish people and heal them. But quite often, the reason for that, up until this point, is because he's trying to teach the disciples, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers. He's trying to show them, look, this is what faith looks like. This This is what your faith should look like. So I'm going to heal them to, to show you this. Or this is what it looks like to care and meet the needs of, of the outsider, of, of the other. I'm going to show you what that looks like. Jesus' mission to start Matthew's gospel is to the people of Israel. But then we come to this story and he encounters this, this Gentile woman, a foreigner, not part of God's people. In fact, Matthew identifies her as a Canaanite. There weren't Canaanites at this time in history. Canaanite, the, the term of, of, for people, it actually dates back to the, the, those who were the enemy of God's people. Matthew wants to know that this is, this is like a woman who was descended from the enemies of God's people. She's the Gentile of Gentiles, as foreign as it can be from the people of Israel. But this widow... When Jesus says, my mission is not to you, she persists. And then, when Jesus says, look, you're not, you're not the reason I'm here, she says something that alters the entire story. She says this, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And two remarkable things happen in this short verse. First, she's already referred to Jesus as the son of David. In other words, this foreigner of foreigners, she's already said, Jesus, I recognize you as the Messiah. 
the one who is to come. But now she adds another term to it. She says, when she says master's table, it's like she's recognizing, I'm at your table, Jesus. You are the master, the teacher, my rabbi. Second, some scholars believe that she makes a not-so-subtle reference that we just read past, blow past, and don't even see to an Old Testament story, the story of Elijah. And this might take us back to the beginning of the story. Do you remember where this story takes place? I'm going to guess 99% of you, those of you uh, who, who read like most people, are like, I don't know where this was. I think you said some, some names that I didn't know. Tyre and Sidon. Sidon. And we read over it and we're like, I, I don't really, you know, the geography doesn't really matter, does it? But here, here it does. Because there's another Old Testament story that happens in Sidon, and it's a story about Elijah. In 1 Kings, the prophet Elijah encounters a widow in Sidon, in the midst of a famine. And he asks her for bread. And she says, all I have left are a few crumbs. Not even enough to feed my son and I. We're going to eat what's left and we're going to die. And Elijah says to her, bake what's left for me and then you will eat what's left, and there will be enough. You'll eat the crumbs that are left, and there will be enough. And the widow does this, and Elijah eats, and there's enough. And then, much like this story of healing, the woman's son falls ill, and dies, and Elijah brings her son back from death. This woman, this Gentile of, of Gentiles, woman descended from the enemy of God's people, she comes to Jesus not just with faith that he can heal her daughter, although that's part of it, not just declaring Jesus as the Messiah, though that is also true, but with knowledge of God's work in and through God's people. She knows her Bible or the Bible at the time, or at least the stories of God's people. So she references this story in Jesus' presence and says, look, you say I'm not part of your mission field, but, but I, know, I know the stories, and I know that, that God has used God's prophets to reach out and to reach beyond so that people would see the amazing things that God can do. God sent Elijah to a Gentile woman just like me, and he fed her the crumbs that she and her son needed to live. And hearing this reference, right, Jesus, he changes course. He learns. Jesus has in this story this aha moment where he sure seems to realize that his mission now isn't just to the people of Israel but it's to the Gentiles as well. And this will continue in and through the next chapter. Like with all this context, we, we actually see Matthew pointing to this idea that Jesus, he actually does learn and grow into mission. The mission expands. Many have taught that this story is about the, 
the woman's persistence, the mother's persistence. And that, that very, very well is true. It's about her, her willingness to just keep asking. Often you'll hear a pastor say, just keep praying, hang on, hang on to Jesus. And there, there's real truth in that. Yet perhaps there's another teaching, another learning in this story, an affirmation that Jesus was human, was growing into, into God's mission for him, just as, as we can grow into God's mission for us, that he was learning and living into the mission of God and God's kingdom. In light of this story, right, do you remember the question I asked? It was, is how can Jesus be fully human and, and fully God? And this is in a lot of ways an impossible question to answer. Yet asking encourages us to, to wrestle with this idea of, of Jesus' humanity. And, and here we, we see it in the story. This isn't to question Jesus' divinity, free of, of sin, holy, holy God. Yet Jesus chose to be born as a human being. God chose to be born as a human being in Jesus. As a human being, he had to have learned to walk and, and write and, and read, had to learn the scriptures just like we do. Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, he says, like, Jesus was in the very nature of God, but, but didn't consider equality with God something to, to use as his advantage in his, his humanity. Instead, he, he made himself nothing by taking on the, the nature of humanity. He became human. So is it possible that Jesus was learning to show us that part of God's way is, is always learning and, and growing? John 15, 15 says this, I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my father, I have made known to you. This is the NIV translation where it says heard, everything I heard. The Greek word there, it's not just like to take something in through the ears, it's to learn, understand, and, and do. There's a sense of, of learning from what we hear. Another translation of this, sometimes it says, because everything I learned from my Father I have made known to you, Jesus seems to be learning. And again, this doesn't have to take away from the divinity of Jesus, but might we also see the humanity of Jesus? Learning and living. And with that lesson, we see in this story, right, this woman who knows the Bible, who has deep faith, allows Jesus in this relationship to, to learn and to, to grow. He learns in this conversation about biblical witness just as we can learn from engaging the stories of the Bible. He learns with empathy and understanding for another person in front of him. You see, I think seeing the humanity of Jesus can help us see our own need to learn and grow. This is the way of Jesus. 
not just to have it all figured out. In those moments when we don't have it all figured out, we follow a Savior who shows us a way of learning and growing. And at the same time, seeing the humanity of of Jesus can show us the transformational power of empathy and understanding in those moments when we encounter somebody who challenges us, somebody who is even of the enemy, that if we will engage and love and listen, right, we'll find a way to move toward the, the model of Jesus of inclusion and reaching beyond the boundaries making sure that everybody is included in this message of of God's love. Seeing the humanity of Jesus can help us learn and grow into the mission that God has for each and every one of us. I I think this is the the beauty of wrestling with texts like this one and wrestling with, with big questions. Right, we come to realize that we don't have all the answers. And that's okay because it assures us that our God is bigger than we can ever know. Our God is beyond our imagination. And yet, and yet even as we claim the divine in Jesus, we also claim the humanity, this God that is so beyond us, for us, became human and walked among us. This God who is bigger than anything we can imagine, we can rest assured understands because he walked in the places we have walked, had the experiences we have experienced. And in Jesus, God shows us the way to learn, to grow, to live into the goodness and joy and love of God's kingdom. Lifelong learning. God loves you. Like this is all big, big thinking kind of stuff. And if if your brain hurts, that's okay. Because we don't have to have it all figured out. But if, if if you don't carry anything else with you today, carry this message, God loves you. Even when you don't have it all, all, all of it figured out. In fact, maybe especially when you don't have all of it figured out, God loves you. When you have doubts, when you're not sure of the answer, God loves you. And God, this God is, is big enough for your questions. Our God is, cares enough to stay with you, even, even when you aren't certain, even when you have doubts. Our God will guide you, will guide us to keep learning and growing as long as we're willing to keep asking questions and to keep searching. God loves you. And your questions are welcomed.